we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 159 weeks into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? Healthy and alive. Um, bit, uh, bit roasty right now. A little, little warm here. And the AC is out because the plumbers and the um, furnace guy did not refill the coolant and our um, air conditioner oil. So very sorry to hear that. Warm. I'm very sorry to hear that. On the bright side, you did not get swept up in any of those tornadoes that hit the Midwest. This is true. I wouldn't be here uh, had we been swept up in it. That, that That's true. Um, of all the states fact, that got hit, I'm surprised. And you guys are like uh, hotspot yeah. number one in the country for tornadoes. Of all things, as a matter of fact, they actually made a movie on it. It was entertainment based, but there was a lot of truth to yeah. it. It was called Twister back in the 90s. It was in mm -hmm. Oklahoma. Uh, yeah. They have a lot of tornadoes down there. You guys get a lot of tornadoes, but you didn't get any this time. I think every other state minus Colorado had one, but you guys didn't. I mean, we may have had like little bitty ones, you know, nothing major, but what we had while everybody else was having tornadoes, we had um, strong winds and a lot of dust. Um, in fact, they, they were issuing like fire hazard warnings and that kind of stuff. And, and here, while everybody else was having tornadoes and whatnot, storms and all of that. Did you see the one in, uh, I believe it was Iowa? Did, did you see the one that was up there? I, I texted you about it. It was an F5, and it was a mile yeah. wide at the base. Did you yep. did you have a look at that? I've got video over here. Take a look at this. Yeah, very reminiscent of the one that happened in uh, Moore, Oklahoma. Uh, F5, that is a massive wide. tornado. That is a massive mm -hmm. tornado. I mean, you usually is, see something like that in like movies or something. That's literally, yeah, everybody that's seen Twister, that's probably the first taste of it you've seen was that um, the F5 category is capable of, uh, yeah, you seeing it in comparison of that house. Sorry, we're watching the video is talking. It's massive. You can tell it's a distant, a good ways off, but F5s are capable of, as we've said before, pulling up um, roads house foundations i mean those things are very intense destruction the uh, it's amazing the uh, the colors you have up in the sky here it's like all black and green over here and then it's it's almost clear behind it it's just mm -hmm. it's crazy it's absolutely crazy it, how that happens tornadoes are like you'll you'll have that crazy intense storm it'll smash you and then sun comes out it, it like <laughs> it, it it's, it's really crazy yeah it's just yeah. it's just gone anyway 
Well, I'm glad that uh, that that didn't hit your neck of the woods. And we do feel sorry for those that uh, that have been affected by that uh, in those uh, in those regions. Uh, St. Louis, I think I believe I saw a report coming out of uh, St. Louis or this uh, uh, was it St. St. Louis University Hospital or something. They had like 600 people injured within the first few minutes of it. And I think I think it was over 20 people died as a result of that. But I saw some some aerial footage of what happened uh, in and around St. Louis. And man, it was pretty bad. You know, how just like whole houses were just gone, you know, turned into piles of just nothing. I think Mississippi was also another one that was hit pretty hard uh, as well. Yeah, well, it is the time of year. You know, this is tornado season, so I mean, this is this is not out of the realm of uh, of ordinary. They'll have the like the news media will be going ballistic, crazy, telling you that this is man made and it's your fault and everything else, but it's it's actually just par for the course this time of year. Anyhow, moving right into the events of the day, Bruce, I've got some good news for you. Apart from the fact that you know you weren't affected by a tornado, I have some good news for you. Senator John Fetterman has been released from Walter Reed Military Medical Center. Well, I mean, that's good news for him, I guess. Um, you know, don't like we've said before, we don't wish ill on them. Um, but uh, and his obviously um, tragic condition. Uh, but we will make fun of and harass the fact that he even ran with those conditions. I mean, even before, wasn't he like um, basically 40 years old living off his mom before he moved out and i i don't know the backstory of of mm. uh, senator uh, john fetterman there i i don't as a matter of fact i had not even heard of the guy until this time around when he ran for the senate i not even he was a lieutenant governor is that is, is that right uh, or or something sure I, I I don't even know um, that he's um, just as you. I knew nothing of him until after he had his stroke while yeah. on the campaign trail. And then he I, won. I think he well, was won. the lieutenant yeah. governor under Tom Wolf. I think, you know, under un, under COVID. I could be wrong, but I want to I want to say that I actually heard that somewhere. But this is the first time that I've actually seen him. But anyhow, uh, mayor of Braddock. Okay, so he was and he was a mayor. I thought he was lieutenant governor or something. Yeah, two thousand six to two thousand nineteen. It looks like. Okay. Uh, yeah, he was also lieutenant governor. It looks like. So I did hear it correctly then. Yeah. Yeah. So he was he was lieutenant governor from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty three until until the Senate uh, until the Senate run. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, you know. Uh huh. And now we're we're looking at possibly putting him up as as president of the United States. That's I mean, that's what the, the mainstream media said. Why? Why not just uh, John Fetterman for why president? Not? Why not? Why not? I mean, he's about on par with uh, Biden. I mean, I'd argue you know, he's probably more, to be fair. Well, I'm not I'm not sure on that one, because I think Biden understands people talking to him. I'm not sure Fetterman does. He was interviewed by CBS News and he was given quite a um, I want I don't want to say it was a um, a difficult interview. It was more like a slow pitch softball is what he was given. He sat down with um, CBS Sunday morning, a lot of topics that they needed to discuss, but n none of which were actually really discussed. I mean, you know, you got a lot of pressing issues going on in uh, in the U.S. right now. Most notably, he's a Pennsylvania senator. That's literally the border state of Ohio. And you just had that massive environmental disaster called East Palestine. You would have thought that, hey, I might want to ask the sitting senator about some of his policies and what his office is planning to do 
about addressing this problem, working with the state of Ohio and and coordinating with whatever federal disaster aid there might be, which there wouldn't be any because of Mayor Pete and the Biden administration. But nonetheless, those would be, I think, at least on the surface, relevant questions you would want to ask. Nope, they didn't discuss any of that. They went for just kind of whatever felt right, and they had just a bunch of open-ended questions. That's really about all it was. They even asked him if he would be, quote, serving beyond the U.S. Senate. Again, the guy has difficulty even understanding people talk. So really, I would think he would be trying to recover and, um, you know, going through rehab and whatnot, not uh, trying to be a senator. Or anything more than that. Well, when he sat down with uh, Jane Pauley, she's quoted by saying the following in the interview, Senator John Fetterman is home in Braddock, Pennsylvania, six weeks after he was hospitalized for depression at Walter Reed, where we talked with him this past week. I found Senator Fetterman hopeful, optimistic, ready to return to the United States Senate and to his role as a dad. So you see, Bruce, they covered all the serious topics there. They even talked about his fashion, what he was currently wearing. And how was it, a GQ, uh, it was, it was a Carhartt hoodie. Yes. But his wife, who was sitting right next to him, by the way, in the interview, I don't, is that important that she was sitting there with him in the interview? Is that, is that kind of and a little reminiscent of Joe? Biden. Yeah. Uh, his but, wife said yeah. she looked at him and said, what did GQ magazine call you? They said you were a fashion god or something. I mean, these are important questions, you see. You know, GQ magazine. You, you want to know what GQ magazine called him. Right. John Federer. Do you remember the New Yorker? Do you remember what they came out with? John Fetterman, the badass. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah, I do remember yeah. that. Yeah. And they did the mm. uh, the campaign thing with the Coca-Cola and uh, the uh, the Mean Joe Green knockoff, whatever it was, in like some mm -hmm. stairwell. Yeah, that thing. John Fetterman answered, American taste God. <laughs> how, how do you, okay. Then the New York Times, I found out that I was one of the most fashionable or something. Uh, were you just reading off like Russian propaganda or something talking uh, about one of their I'm not, oligarchs or I, I don't know. American taste. God, mm. I'm quoting American taste. God taste. God. Then the New York Times. I found out that I was one of the most fashionable or something. Is he still reading off of the, the thing? Is, is that what he's doing? I have no idea. Well, and the other thing is, is we don't know how edited the, the clip was. The next question that was asked to him was, your trajectory from mayor to lieutenant governor of the United, to the United States Senate was still pointing up. At 53 in politics, that's a young man. That is true, especially in the Senate when the average age of a senator is what, like 90, I think? No, yeah. it's actually like 75 or something. Can you have aspirations? Can you serve beyond the United States Senate? This was Fetterman's response. Being the kind of dad, the kind of husband, and the kind of senator that Pennsylvania deserves. Hmm. That, uh, huh. Again, uh, why not John Fetterman for president? Why not? Yeah, yeah. Why, why, why not? You know, uh, a comment about uh, the age reference there of, of this Congress in general. Uh, do you know how old the founders were when they founded this country? Uh, Thomas Jefferson was, I believe, 23 or 24 when he drafted the U.S. Constitution. Most of them were 20s. In fact, George Washington was considered an old man at like 40 or 45 or something like that. 45. You're lucky to find someone as young as 45 in Congress, let alone 20-somethings. That kind of seems like it's a bit of a problem on multiple levels. Uh, one, you know, the young, <laughs> we're, we kind of, we're exposed to immediate problems that need fixing, you know, like in society, uh, being raised and we can identify them more readily than our parents. 
nothing against our parents or any of that. It's the fact that we're literally in the midst of it and we can immediately address those things. But the other thing is, is uh, how educated those people were uh, back then, our founders. Uh, they were very well educated compared to today's uh, people. And we have more access to everything, it's just everything now. And we, we can't even be bothered to look into, I don't know, anything. You know, it's interesting the, the way you put that. You say that we just can't be bothered to to look at anything, yet we have more access to information than, than we've ever had before. And, you know, we're learning all the time. As a matter of fact, I'm learning every single day. You're learning every day. And we're in the thick of this stuff. We're going through things in prep that we didn't even know existed that are part of this agenda that we've been seeing for years. You see, the problem is, and I'm, I'm guilty of it, but I, I really do give it a legitimate try. I work as hard as I can at it. I try to analyze. I want to analyze. Nobody wants to analyze anymore. Everybody just wants to have something spoon fed to them. This is why it's so much easier to watch the mainstream media. But the problem becomes when you're watching the mainstream media, you get radicalized by one of these ridiculous, nonsensical talking points that they stick out there, and then you become anti-something. That's the biggest misconception that we have as discussing politics as we the people, is people become anti-something. They don't want to be corrective. They want to be anti-something. So in other words, if something doesn't work properly as it's intended to work, let's just throw the whole thing out and replace it. Let's be against it. Let's be against the entire concept of it and then throw it out and replace it. That is Marxism 101. That is cultural Marxism 101, to be anti-something and then to not want to fix it, but to replace it. And then they'll spoon feed you the replacement on their terms. This is my argument about our systems, our democratic systems here in the West. There's nothing wrong with our systems. The problem is the corruption that is entrenched within it. That's our problem. That needs to be corrected. Not the system. Not let's be anti this, though I would argue that we do have a lot of bureaucratic institutions that need to go away. We have a lot of these alphabet agencies. Why do we need what What do we have? 17 members of the intelligence community. Why do we need that? Why on earth do we need that? Why do we need what did you say? 50 million government employees in America. Why do we yep. need all that? Why on earth do we need all that? So if you want to be anti something, I'm against, I'm anti 50 million government employees. Okay, I'll be on board with that, I guess. But that's not really anti. That's uh, that's more of a corrective thing. We need to correct that because that's not how not how it should be. We should have government employees, just not that many. Or, you know, 450 departments that Congress then delegates all their power to, that should all be removed, those uh, 450 agencies, or at least 449 of them. Um, should be removed. And then all of those people fired. Yeah, I said fired. And all of that power that Congress delegated to those agencies should be returned to Congress and Congress should be required to represent the people like they're supposed to, um, you know. But again, yeah, as you said, that is a corrective solution. But yeah. People want convenience. They don't want to be bothered by something. You know, I was I was having this discussion earlier today, and and the the people that I I talk to often on about politics every now and again, they kind of get it. You know, they they understand. They're they're mad at the situation. They're mad at the financial system. They're mad at uh, the media and the usual things, right? The the usual complaints. And I understand that. They're they're mad at the fact that they're quality and their standard of living is actually diminishing and it's costing them more. 
and they have to work more and their money doesn't go as far, that kind of stuff. So I, I get it. All right? I get their frustration. But here's the problem. These people that I discussed, they're not wrong in their frustrations. I understand their frustrations. You understand their frustrations. But here's the thing. Do they even know who the enemy is? Do they even understand? I'm not talking about this this Trump thing. We're going to talk about that in a second. God, I don't want to, but we're going to anyway, because you're steamed up about it. So we're going to discuss it. But people don't even understand who the enemy is. Now, this is common sense 101. If we want to have a higher standard of living at a lower cost, in the West. I'm not talking about just America here. But if we want to have these things, if we want to have better systems, we want to have uh, freer trade between countries and and uh, better policies that benefit us, the people, we the people, if we want to have that, in order for us to understand what we're fighting for, we have to understand who we're fighting against. Otherwise, there's no point. There is absolutely no point to any of this. Going out there and carrying a placard and shouting down the, the government, okay, fine, I'm with you on that, but do you even know the driving force behind what you're supporting? Do you even know that? This is our biggest misconception as we the people. We've got a very serious problem because the average populace out there, the average group of people that are protesting across France, across Germany, across the Netherlands, across Canada, the US, Australia, wherever you come from, we're all saying down with the system. They want us, as in the communist bloc countries, namely China and Russia, they want us as angry people on the conservative side, I don't want to say the right, but they want us to reject our democratic forms of government and embrace something new. It's almost like Klaus Schwab and them want us to do exactly the same thing. Could it be that they're on the same page? Say it ain't so. In order to understand what we are fighting for, we have to understand who we are fighting against. So we have a very long way to go in terms of understanding this concept, getting this across to the average person. If somebody wants to say, well, I watched the mainstream media and, and I got this point and I got that point and, uh, you know, OK, fine. You've got all those points. Do you even understand who the enemy is? Do you get it? No, they don't. And largely, they don't really care at the same time because it's uh no, they just oh, want to right. stop. Uh, is is my Netflix show on? Are the right. sports on? What yeah. wiffle ball game is it? Yeah, it's inconvenient for them. The thing is, you talked about uh, you mentioned it was inconvenient uh, for you know these politicians and and people in general uh, to stand up and you know that's why they delegate their powers over to someone else, right? Because it's convenience. I would go a step further and say it's not just uh, not just uh, convenience. It's also uh, they don't want the responsibility. If they make a bad decision or something like that, they don't want to be the one uh, holding the bag. It's, well, no, it, it, it's this department over here that made that decision. It's not me. I didn't do that. Same thing with the people. They don't want the they don't want the responsibility. They well, push it off onto the politician. It's the politician's fault. They're not doing what they're supposed to. Oh, really? Who elects them? Who holds them accountable? Well, there is no accountability by the general populace, by the, the voting public, by the constituency. There's no accountability. If you go and you shout them down, OK, they don't care. They don't hear you. They're existing in their own little world. That's what got them in that office in the first place. So they don't care about what you have to say. And so what do you do in a free democratic society? What do we do? We just remove them right by uh, recalling them, which we do have recall processes in the West, whether you agree with them or not. We do have that. We can recall a person. We can impeach them. We can have pressure put on them. We can, uh, you know, if you're a member of a, a big church or something and you support that congressman or that senator or, or whoever, let's say one of these, uh, let's say a state congressman or a state senator attend your church on Sunday. 
It's as simple as this. You walk up to them, say, Congressman, Senator, whatever they are, shake their hand. I know you're going to do the thing that's right for you and your family. And I know you're going to do the same thing that's right for me and my family. We supported you in that last election. We intend on supporting you again. Have a nice day. Thank you for your service. That right there should be enough. That's political talk to them. They will understand it. All these people on the Hill, all they care about is their next committee appointment. They don't care about their constituents. Or haven't you looked out in your district lately, wherever you live across the U.S.? Is it better than it was 20 years ago, or is it worse? Economically, socially, financially, quality of life-wise, standard of living, is it better or is it worse? Do they actually care about the districts that they represent, or do they only care about their next committee appointment? I don't give a damn about your committee if you're a congressman or if you're a senator. I could care less. I don't care about these these uh, questionnaires and all of these uh, uh, C-SPAN cameras and everything else. Clay Higgins of Louisiana, Matt Gates of Florida, Lauren Boebert of Colorado, Jim Jordan of Ohio, just to name a few, Rand Paul of Kentucky, Thomas Massey, Kentucky, these people, these people that sit on these committees, these are people that sit on some of the, uh, the, the judiciary committees, the weaponization of government committees and the House oversight committees and whatever the hell other committee you want to talk about, right? Ted Cruz, all the rest of them. They talk a good game. They stand up there in front of the cameras or sit up there, whatever. They stand up there and they, they shout, Jim Jordan, you know, God love him. He rolls his sleeves up, starts shouting and screaming at Fauci and, and every other person that sits in front of his committee. How many perp walks have you seen? How many of these people that are guilty, I mean guilty, they get proved guilty in front of these committees, in front of the cameras, in front of the American public and God and everybody else, how many of them get clapped in irons by the sergeant at arms and let out of there? The answer is none. So I don't give a damn about your committee. I give a damn about the people of America. That's what I care about. So I'm sorry. Um, you don't do what you're told on the Hill, then you're one and done. Don't do what you're told. Stand for something. Be someone of integrity. That's what we need up there. I don't care about your committee. I don't care if you're one and done and you get sent home. That should be a badge of honor, in my opinion. If I run for Congress, which, God, I would never, but if I run for Congress and I get up there on the Hill and I behave exactly as I'm behaving now, which I would, and they say, listen here, you're going to get in line and you're going to do exactly as we tell you or you're one and done, I'd resign that day. I'd leave. Oh, no, I would have some fun. Yeah, of course would you would. Of course you ass. would. Well, okay. In, in that respect, yes, I would be. I, I would say the hell with your committees. I don't care. I'd be as vocal as I could. But you know, the news media—they're not going to show up. They're not. If you call, if you call a, a a press conference, no one will be there. The party heads and the committee heads will make sure that they're not there because you'll be making too much of a ruckus. Here's the thing: look at Governor DeSantis. He went into a purple state, barely won the election, and then went up for re-election and. Killed it. Their, their election system is secure, by the way. They've gone through measures to ensure the security of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a big change from hanging Chad uh, back in early 2000s. Um, but we need Republicans to stand up like DeSantis and do what's right. Be a bully. I don't care. You have things that need to be done that is benefits the American people, that upholds the Constitution. Um, stand up and uh, make your voice heard. You know, uh, stand up and resist the uh, establishment. OK, so they're going to say, well, you, you do that. We're going to primary you bring it, because if you do if you do what's right and you stand up for what's good and moral, the people of your 
uh, state or, you know, district or whatever, you know, your constituents will see that you will get more votes than you had before because you're standing up and doing what's expected of you. You have some, some cojones. Until then, though, nothing's really going to change. It starts with the American people having that kind of a mindset. I don't care if you call me uh, a fascist, uh, a white supremacist, uh, a homophobe. I don't care. I, I, I'm going to wear those uh, monikers as a badge of honor because that means, you know, I've, I've used this, this analogy before and I, I like the analogy. When you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that yelps is the one that you hit. When they start, when they start yelping and they start throwing names at you, you're over the target. You're doing good. So, yeah, just wear it like a badge of honor and continue standing on what's right. And until the American people find their cojones and, and do that, I don't think we're going to find politicians that will do the same for us. I honestly, I don't believe that we'll have that until the other side of this. That is taking into account that we do everything correctly to get through it, right? Because the only way out is through at this point, because we've allowed things to get to this point. So I don't think we will have the integrity that we're looking for until all of this, for lack of a better term, and that eludes me at the moment, till all of this tribulation has been experienced. <laughs> so I, I don't have much hope in the immediate future that we're going to start seeing people of integrity up there on the hill. Apparently, AOC is the best we can do because we don't care. But anyway, speaking of integrity, does Donald Trump have integrity? He has hopped on a plane and he has left the safe haven of Florida, and he has gone to New York, where he has been indicted. CNN is a little concerned that he's done that. And do you know why they're concerned, Bruce? Uh, because it doesn't paint him in the worst light possible? I, I have no You're idea. You're close. You are close. They say that they fear that his mugshot will actually make him more iconic than what he already is. Yeah. Trump is going to, he's going to, if he doesn't do it, uh, conservatives will do it. You know, uh, media companies and whatnot will do it. They'll take his mugshot and plaster it all over shirts, hats, uh, stickers, whatever, magnets, whatever. They're going to, they're going to plaster it everywhere. And it, yeah, it, it's okay. The Republican party, do you know what the key factor is that the, the one key factor, if you want to win presidency, if you want to win, you know, Senate, whatever. Do you know what the one key factor is that will guarantee your your election among the Republican Party specifically, just them? Um, I'm going to go with being demonized by the opposition. Close. Name ID. That's it. Name ID. How much do they know you? It doesn't matter what your policy is. Doesn't matter anything. If if you're a name at the dinner table, you're most likely to win, and you'll probably win because just people know who you are. That's why Trump won. It's because everybody knew who he was. He's the, your fired guy. He's the, you know, WWE. He's, you know, they, they know Trump. They've seen him over the years. No, I'm actually, I'm actually annoyed. What I would have liked to have seen was Trump go to Florida and say, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to turn myself in. You're, you're a peon DA in a, in a place that I no longer live. Um, you have no authority to extradite me. Uh, the Fed tried to go, the Feds tried to go after me on various things. They found nothing. They didn't even think it was viable to go after me on this case, which, by the way, um, it was not a payoff as what the media is saying. It wasn't, you know, him trying to silence or whatever. It was a settlement. It was a legal settlement. Settlement. Anyway, all that aside, 
and all that you know other than the fact that the um it's been what uh three years four years five years whatever since this happened the status of limitation is gone he should have he should have stood his ground and then said hey uh you know other red states if you do what DeSantis does and uh you know will uh offer me sanctuary uh I'll come over do you know rallies I'll support you I'll hey your next election I'll support you whatever whatever something something like that and just travel around to red states and you know have the rallies and whatnot and continue continue his campaign that would have that would have gotten him so much more name uh, ID. The, and the other thing, the the people on the right would love this. But no, he put his tail between his legs and he went up there and he he, he surrendered himself. So is he going to be clapped in irons when he gets off the plane then? Because I don't think he's landed yet. It depends on what the Secret Service decide, because technically they're the ones that will allow or not allow him to be arrested. I'm but, curious what his play is. But yeah, go on. But he will be fingerprint. Uh, fingerprinted, oh, yeah. and he yeah, will yeah. be there. Will be a mugshot. So those two things will happen. Um, and it it's he's going to use it. Uh, he he is going to use it. But it's again, I have issue with this because this is a financial. This is a he's he's going to sell shirts, hats, and all that stuff. That's my issue. That's what he does. This is another campaign. Ploy. But that's what he that's it's, what he does. He's he's Donald it. Trump. He's a, he's an entertainer. At the end of the day, that's what he does. This is how he makes his money. This is how he he wows a uh, a crowd and and gets people lulled into to, you know to jumping on whatever bandwagon he's got. That's what he does. He's made his fortune in the service and entertainment industry. That's what he does. Yeah, so and, I expect know, I, nothing I, less out of him. I expect him to be able to read the room. That's the problem. Yes. I expect him to realize that. Well, I think that, he is. Um, I, I think that he is at the same time. I hope and so. I'm not, def- I'm not defending the guy here. Don't don't get me wrong. I've made my stance on Trump clear. But I see what he's doing, I think, from a from an entertainment perspective is is what I'm alluding to here. He's he's playing them at their own media game is what he's doing. At least I, yeah. that's what I feel like he's doing. He's doing it to sell headlines. And he's doing it to he- to sell headlines in his favor. That's what I think he's doing. Again, this is all about name ID. This isn't about actually sticking it to and actually showing that there's a problem, that this is banana republic kind of things. He's not doing that. No, right. he's he just, doing... He just landed. Uh, we got video footage uh, coming in now. Uh, he, has, he has just landed in New York City. Well, let's see. Uh, let's see if they arrest him again. Like I said, it depends on what the Secret Service say. Uh, the baggage is being unloaded. They'll be uh, getting him off the plane here in just a moment. We shall see. But all the media networks are uh, are covering it at the moment. They've got cameras all over the airport. So I would assume they're going to make a big spectacle out of this. Didn't you say that the New York City Police Department, the NYPD, they're not participating or they, they don't want to participate in any of this? Yeah, they don't want to get involved. They basically are saying uh, quietly, this isn't the official position they're taking. They're quietly saying this is nothing but politics. This is nothing but uh, a, a game. Uh, they they don't think it's actually about legal uh, reasons. They don't think it's about criminal things. So yeah, that this they don't want a part of it. I that's kind of a good sign. I, I just had a thought. Going back to Trump reading the room, I don't think he is reading the room. He's reading the room, understanding that he shouldn't be talking about certain things, but he's still standing with, I pushed a vaccine that saved millions of lives. Yes, he is still standing with that. And that's, again, that's, I've made my point clear 
as where I stand. I, I will not support him. I won't. Uh, what you're seeing here, Bruce, that's running here, this is outside of Trump Tower in New York. This is where he's expected to go. I would. Well, he's going to show up there because. Yeah. And for the benefit of the listener, there the are. Media is. Yeah, there are barricades and it looks like every single media outlet in the country is there, uh, along with uh, crowds of supporters. And I'm I'm sure that you won't find Antifa too far off, to be fair. Some of the people there look like they could be Antifa. Uh, they look like they could be, yeah. Uh, how do you like our banana republic? Pretty grand, isn't it? Yeah, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Barring anything else on that, uh, we're going to move on here. You got anything else on the uh, yeah, the Trump front that you want to talk about? I mean, we're just going to continue to watch it. I'm sure we'll have something come up with it. I, I don't know. I don't know what, I, honestly, I don't know what he's doing uh, other than trying to sell headlines and, and be a martyr for the cause, I guess, of the Trump cause. I, I don't know. Bruce, I've got some bad news for you. Uh, the New York Times, they have lost their Twitter verification. Oh, that's just, that's a shame. It is. You hate to see it. You really hate to see it. They uh, they've not they've have lost the money to pay for the... The, the five bucks a month? I don't think so because yeah. they're actually selling whole floors in their building to keep the lights on because no one will buy their stinking rag of a newspaper. Uh, the New York Times has lost its official Twitter verification in the early morning hours of April 2nd. It's been dropped from their Twitter profile. The new rules under Musk have come into play. They say that now media companies, along with individuals, must pay for their verification labels. Again, Bruce, maybe they just couldn't afford it, as you said. It's possible. Maybe they're making a stand and and they're boycotting Musk and uh, sure. I guess. Like I don't know. I, I've seen a lot of, I mean, I'm not on Twitter, but I've seen a lot of blue check marks over there of just regular people because they pay the subscription. I mean, if you're if you're the New York Times, I mean, why not? You know, you're getting paid with, t- with taxpayer money anyway to, sub- to subsidize your subscription loss. So- why not? Or maybe even China can fork over a few extra dollars for you to you afford. Think. You would think, I mean, yes. By the way, as of today, Bruce, did you know that the yuan, which is the Chinese currency, that's mm-hmm. it's a very honest currency, you see. It's never been mm-hmm. manipulated. Yeah. It's never been sure. misused or or overvalued or undervalued, has it? I don't I don't think so. It's, it's one of the most mm-hmm. solid, no. stable currencies on the planet. Yeah. 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 Most, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. China's yuan currency has replaced the U.S. dollar as the most traded currency for the first time ever uh, in Russia. I might have had not, not anywhere else, just in Russia. Mm. Uh, most traded. Yeah, I'm sure, because uh, it takes, what, 100 yuan to make $1? So Something I'm like sure that, yeah. it's the most traded by quantity. Uh, that's probably In true. Russia. Nowhere else. In Russia. In Russia. Yeah. Yes. In Russia. Yeah. So that big fat cat, what was it, $400 billion a year oil deal, oil and gas deal that they got from the Russians? Well, if you do the math, I think it's like eight to one, though, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I, I really think it's that like the margin is that much. Uh, What, uh, the yuan? Yeah, yuan is a dollar. I think it's eight to one. Yeah, it's uh, 15 cents is one yuan. 15 cents. Wow. Goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, $400 billion a year, uh, and they're trading, they're trading currency for that, you know, hard cash. Yeah, that's going to replace the dollar really quickly over there. There were a lot of dollars circulating in Russia. I mean, for the longest time. A lot of people don't understand. America, we look at a dollar as a dollar, right? Or at least, you know, we normally do. $20, what's $20, right? Hell, what's 50 or 100? You know, if you've got a C note, you go to one of these Eastern European countries, or if you go to Russia with $100, you'll be able to get just about anything you need for the entire week or the month. That's more money than most people see as expendable income in a month in a lot of these countries. The average yeah, Russian actually, citizen lives on about $350 a month. I mean, that's not really talked about a lot, but $100 to 
to somebody over there, that could really change the difference of whether or not they've got something extra to have at the end of the month. So uh, I, I've seen know. some of the to, to your point about the the difference in, in money. I've seen some of the like streaming services and that kind of thing over there or or even people that stream themselves. And the amounts of money is the same in that. You know, you, you might see someone give like a dono or, or they buy a subscription for a company or something like that. And it's five dollars. Well, no, it's five rubles or whatever. It's like literally the same number value with a different currency. And, you know, you'll, you'll see people like when it's a streaming service, they might get donated five, but it's rubles. So it's literally pennies uh, in, in, in yeah. comparison to us. That's interesting. I uh, I was looking at uh, one of the European countries that still has their their currency. They're not on the euro, and it's I want to say it's like uh, twenty to one or something like that. And so when somebody gets uh, one of those donations or a subscription or something, by the time the taxes and everything hit it, they get nothing pretty much. I mean, it's it, it's yeah. nothing. So because of the exchange rate and everything as well. Yeah. 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 All right, Bruce, I want to talk about a Rasmussen poll that is out. You love polls. This Rasmussen poll surveyed how authoritarian the left had become during COVID-19. Some of these numbers are not surprising in the least, I have to say. Just to point out a few, among Democrat voters... Right, Bruce, if you want to go over the statistics of how many people they surveyed and, and all the rest of that stuff, you can go right ahead. I don't know if you see that right off the bat, uh, but these were amongst Democrat voters. So it'd be left wing voters. Uh, and do you see how many people they surveyed? They surveyed uh, 1,016 likely voters uh, between January 5th of last year uh, on, oh, uh, on January 5th of last year. The margin of error is plus or minus 3% with a 95% level of confidence. And with that being said, let's look at some of the things that they were in favor of. This is, again, during COVID. 55% supported permanent house confinement for anyone who refused to get vaccinated. Boy, that turned out great, didn't it? It's real inclusive. I mean, they, they champion the you know inclusive and, and all-encompassing. No, just if you do what you're told, right? You mean when there's a, a social credit system and, and a vaccine passport and a digital currency, you mean you're going to have to abide by the same things? You're going to have to do what they tell you to do? Shocking. 48% supported fines or prison for questioning vaccine efficacy on social media. Every single thing that these so-called experts, I'm doing the air quotes, experts, said every single media outlet that championed this, that still continue to champion it, have been incorrect about the safety and or the efficacy. Do you remember in the beginning? Oh, it's 100% effective. Oh my God, it's 100%. You, you will not get COVID if you have this. Do you remember Biden? Do you, do you remember Biden actually saying that? Look, you, you're not going to get COVID if you have these. Then it was 95%. Then it was 70%. Well, you know, it it wanes over time. Well, then it doesn't doesn't stop you from catching it, doesn't stop you from passing it on, but oh, there's a lot of protection here against serious illness and death. 48% supported fines or prison for questioning the fact that these people were wrong. 45% supported the government having the ability to put the unvaccinated in designated facilities or internment camps. Boy, we've come full circle, haven't we? All of these people that scream all day long on social media, in public, if you question any of this, you're a fascist. And exactly what does this make you people? 
29% supported the state being able to remove unvaccinated parents' custody over their own children. So if you don't do what the state tells you to do, or the left-wing hate mob, or hell, even a right-wing hate mob, I don't care. I don't care what your wing is. If you don't do what the authoritarian state or the authoritarian mob tells you to do with your own children, you could have them taken away. How far have we fallen? We're, we're down into... Th like this... The, these people are, are blatant tyrants. Now, I'm asking the question because all of these, these so-called progressives and all of these so-called tolerant and peaceful ones, the ones that talk about equality and equity and justice and social justice and all the rest of it, where's all of their tolerance? Where's all of their peace? Where's all of their inclusivity? I don't see any of that in any of these people that were surveyed. Do you? I certainly don't. These particular steps right here look like they are ready to implement a totalitarian Marxist state, in my opinion. Now, this was taken over a year ago, this poll that we're just now seeing. This was taken over a year ago. Given the fact of where we are now with this uh, this crazy transgender agenda, I mean, they're out there. They're so wound up. They're out there killing people now. And they're the victims somehow. Can you imagine how much worse this has gotten between last year and now? As in, in people's mindsets, in, in re people's radicalized mindsets and their belief systems. Again, I will revert back to what I said before. In order to understand what we're fighting for, we have to understand who we're fighting against. These people that believe in this ideology, that's simple enough to, to say, well, that person's the problem. No, that is where they want us to be, as in the totalitarian communist bloc countries. That is where they want us to be. They want us to be in the dialectic fighting each other. The people that have been indoctrinated by this radical belief system, these people are victims. They have been brainwashed by that belief system to be totalitarian, to be the oppressors if you don't do what the state tells you to do. In order to understand what we're fighting for, we have to understand who we are fighting against. In this case, it is not a person. It is a reckless ideology straight out of the pits of hell. That is what we're fighting in the West, not just in America, in the West. Bruce, your thoughts on this, Paul? Uh, it's pretty frightening in a sense. Um, when I'm looking over the statistics and everything, uh, the people that are worse, uh, worse by that I mean more authoritarian, uh, it's the 18 to 39 demographic. They're the ones that are more authoritarian. Of course, race, they're, you know, certain races are worse than others, mostly black and Hispanic, ironically are more for some of the authoritarian stuff. I personally would have thought the white suburban mom would have been the problem in this, but actually uh, not necessarily. Um, it's it's pretty even, actually, um, for some of these. Uh, in, in many cases, it's actually the male of a younger age that are authoritarian. And I'm, I'm looking at somewhat favor and strongly favor. Those are the two that I'm... Uh, uh, specifically referencing. Now, here's the thing that baffles me in this. This is this is something that, I, how do these people exist? Okay, uh, would you strongly favor imprisoning someone or fining someone for speaking out against COVID or being, uh, uh, you didn't take the vaccine? You know, that the, those kind of questions. You still have a three to 7% that are like, I don't know, I'm not sure. How? How can you have a population? Uh, how do you, how can you not, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm completely lost on that one. Are you fine? Do you want, do you, would you rather be imprisoned or fined 
uh, do, do you think we should do that to other people? Uh, or even you, if you don't follow our rules? I don't know. Well, uh, you, it, it's like Sean Penn. Do you remember when he came out and he said, look, um, if you don't want to get vaccinated, then you just don't belong in society. You just you, you don't belong in the workforce and you, you really just don't belong anywhere. And he said that recently. It's not like that's you know, he says, look, we're well over, you know, two, three years now in, into this. And the, the decision on this is is crystal clear by now. I, I'm, I more expect you to either go one extreme or the other, not to be somewhere in the middle to where you're just like, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I can't make a decision. I don't know. So how can you not? Would you rather the government arrest you or fine you for not uh, abiding by their recommendations? That's the question that should have been asked. Would you would you want the government to do that to you? I'm sure the 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 percentages here would be much different than uh what is shown here, but because people are thinking of well, it, it's Democrat. Democrats are thinking well. It's mostly Republicans that aren't going in and getting vaccinated. It's mostly Republicans that are out there uh, speaking out against Fauci and the the vaccine and all that stuff. So we should lock up Republicans. They're the problem, and Republicans do the same thing. Well, to a lesser degree, to a much lesser degree, Republicans typically are like, we don't care. You 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 want to go and get vaccinated? Go get vaccinated. Just don't force it on me. They're more of the libertarian now, which is ironic because I thought I thought the Democrats were about, you know, the every man, everyday man. They were they were, you know, the working man, the the freedom and in, in all. Uh, um, where did that change? I thought they were, you know, against pharma and big corporations. But now pharma is their God. They they worship pharma. Um, do you guys not see that? The, like they they just screwed you over and they just took a bunch of our tax dollars uh, billions of dollars. We're, we're talking ten times their profit, and you guys are you guys are cool with that? You're, you're fine with that? Like, can I talk to 2016 Democrats? Like, where were you guys? What 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 about those those of you that were out there protesting the 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 one percent of the you, Occupy? What happened movement. to you guys? Yeah, the Occupy movement. What happened to you guys? Where where were you? You're you're suckling off the teat of Pfizer and Moderna now. Ugh. Do you want to know what happened, Bruce? I can tell you. Uh, they got jabbed and had myocarditis. Well, the, yeah, there's that. And then I, I was going to say the talking points from the Institute of Policy Studies changed. So they had to. That's yeah, true. Yeah, they they had to, to go along and, and get in line because that's what the agenda is. So, that's yes, a, that's a real organization, by the way. Institute yes, it is. Of, uh, yeah, you should go look it up. Institute, Institute of Policy, of Policy Studies. Yeah. yeah, you should. Uh, any inquiring mind uh, that's inquisitive enough uh, would want to look at that. Take a really good look at that institution. Yeah, we can talk more about that in the uh, in the coming days because that's a nice little tidbit that we found in our research. Here is the Institute for Policy Studies and the European arm of that. For those of us that are listening to us in Europe, it's called the Transnational Institute. You can look that up. It's based in uh, in the Netherlands, I believe. It's in Amsterdam. You can take a look at that. They do more. Or less the same thing. Anyhow, Bruce, it's been a fascinating conversation as always. We're going to jump out of here a couple of minutes early, so I'd like to thank you for being here today. Thank you to all the listeners. God bless everyone. Have a great evening, and we will see you tomorrow.